coming up on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. We look back at New Japan's Fighting Spirit Unleashed and discuss some key moments and hear from some of the stars, including Kenny Omega. We will also review Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor, including the revelation that the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship match will be a two out of three falls match. We get Cody's thoughts on the rematch. WWE has another big international show. We will discuss the few big matches and get the gambling odds on this weekend's Super Showdown. Halloween is around the corner, and we will be casting some wrestlers in horror movie roles. That and so much more on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul. Yeah, we're a couple of world travelers. I'm back from New York, you're back from the West Coast, and we're ready for another big episode. Yep, and first we want to apologize. Last week we had technical difficulties. We lost our whole episode, so so sorry we didn't get to release that. We were supposed to do our Harry Potter pop and wrestling connection, but don't worry, we will do that in the future. After October is over, we've got a lot of horror movie and Halloween-themed pop and wrestling connections for this month, but next month, look out, it will be Harry Potter time. Yeah, so don't worry, all your good answers are not going to waste, and whatever show it is in, it will be a show that... <laughs> I'm probably not in since I know nothing about Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, we want to thank our uh, our friends at mybookie.ag, and we'll hear more from uh, them a little later in the show when we do WWE odds. And we also want to thank our friends at St. Arnold and wish them a big congratulations at the Great American Beer Festival. They get a couple of medals, including their current seasonal Oktoberfest, earning a silver as a, as a Scottish-style ale. While the original beer, Amber Ale, won a bronze medal in the Ordinary or Special Bitter category. So congratulations to Sam Arnold coming home with a couple of uh, big awards. Yep, and if you live in Louisiana or Texas, they've got lots of great tasting events throughout all of October. If you want to see a listing of the events, check them out on Twitter at St. Arnold. And that's Saint spelled out S-A-I-N-T. And speaking of social media, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us? Yep, you can find me on Twitter, and uh, the reason to follow me there at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. If you follow me there, you can participate in t-shirt polls. Usually I have a poll about which wrestling t-shirt I will wear, and I give you guys the power to decide. This week, though, and all this month, I'll be wearing Halloween-slash-horror-themed t-shirts that have to do with wrestling you know because it's october and i love halloween so much so so but this you have plenty week, of those for people to vote on too well i don't <laughs> know if i have enough to like do multiple votes right. i have like four well, halloween shirts seems, of like, seems like you have a lot more than that maybe five i don't know <laughs> but this week's halloweenish wrestling shirt is vinnie marsalia and actually i wore a similar shirt i have two vinnie shirts one i wore on october 1st which has horror movie characters on it It has vinnie in the middle and then it's got freddy krueger and it also has michael myers pretty cool and then this one is just it's really cool it says the horror king presents the vinnie horror picture show so it's a spoof on the rocky horror picture show and it's got pumpkins on it and bats and that's not the last time we're going to hear the name vinnie marsalia in the show as we have a special Halloween-themed pop and wrestling connection. We also want to remind you, you can follow us at Two-Face Pod or on Two-Face Pod 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com to find out all the platforms you can catch us. And, of course, you can catch us on YouTube on the Wrestling Inc. channel. Yep. Just search for Wrestling Inc. on there, and that's where we'll come up every Friday. And so now let's get right into the nitty-gritty. It's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for headlines. And it was a huge weekend out on the West Coast, and you got to be a part of it. And we're going to hear a lot of uh, the interaction you had with the wrestlers. Uh, we're going to start with New Japan, uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. And uh, you were there. Tell me a little bit about the environment, maybe compared to some other New Japan shows you've been to. Well, the crowd was a lot less than the other New Japan shows that I and also you have been to um, along with me. But it was still, the energy's always great because people are just so into the product. So the people who go are really huge fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling and they invest their time and money to go to these shows a lot of times. However, you know, it might pay to go other places in the future for New Japan Pro Wrestling because it seems like going back to Long Beach, and even though they went to San Francisco once, I just think it's kind of run its course for fly-ins. And also, people there, you know, there's only so many people around the area that's going to go. Whereas if you go to Chicago, you're definitely going to sell out. I mean, the Ring of Honor New Japan joint shows always do well when they're in Chicago. I have a feeling if New Japan ran a solo show, it would do even better. So, and you mentioned Juice Robinson even alluded to that. Uh... Yes, they should spread it around a little bit. Yes, Raj Geary, you know, the owner and the person who runs WrestlingInc.com, he asked Juice, you know, do you think there's been any growth since the first show in the U.S. in July of last year, or do you think it's about the same? And this is what Juice had to say. Uh, what would you would you say anything has changed as far as uh, the landscape, or uh, and as far as expanding, or do you think we're it's been similar? I think it's been I think it's been similar. We came we came back here. I don't know. I I'm not the right guy to ask. There's a lot smarter people than me to ask that question to. But I feel like you go you do a small room where everybody's standing on the ground twice in two nights. You sell it out twice. You go to San Fran. You do very well there. Or no, you, I'm sorry. You go to Long. You go. You come here. Then you go to San Fran. Then you come back here. I don't know. To me, that might be. Is that a step in the right direction? I don't know. I want to see this grow, and I want to see it go. No offense to Long Beach, no offense to California, but man, there's New York City out there, and I know we're on. There's Chicago out there, there's Miami, there's Houston, there's pro wrestling fans all over our country, and all over Europe, and New Japan, pro wrestling fans all over. So let's get our asses out of California, and let's go, and let's really grow this mother. I'm doing good with this, with this effort thing, I really am, and I hope people are paying attention. So interesting comments from Juice Robinson. And yeah, I, I mean, as soon as I noticed the show, the first thing I noticed was all the yellow seats. It was dramatic compared to the first time. And look, Kenny Omega, even in his post-match uh, address to the crowd, talked about how there were some empty seats. And he tried to cover it by saying, oh, that was in the pre-show kind of thing. But he noticed it too. I'm sure the wrestlers noticed it. And look, it's not a, a shot at Long Beach. It's not a, a sign that there's diminished interest. I think... It's more going to be a little kick in the butt to move things around a little bit and give some different places some opportunities to host these shows. And I think you'll see some rejuvenated crowds, too. 
I agree, but having said that, now the energy was awesome, like I kind of alluded to a few minutes ago, and there's nothing like a New Japan show in terms of in-ring quality. That was really, really high throughout the whole night, even, you know, the tag matches, which that's what New Japan's known for, great tag matches, and um, that's actually something that we'll talk about a little bit later, the Ring of Honor show did too. They had a multi-man tag match, a 10-man tag, and that was great too. You know, other companies, aka... WWE, they don't do that as well, in my opinion. No, and uh, we'll talk about coming up with the Super Showdown. It seems like, and we even discussed this with our, our interview with Rafael Esparza, seems like a lot of just tag team matches just to, for the sake of getting everybody on the roster onto the show. Yeah, with no story or consequence, whereas it's the opposite in New Japan Pro Wrestling and sometimes Ring of Honor as well. There is usually some story development, even if it is just a tag match, some kind of, you know, forwarding pro some kind of forward progress to main storylines that are happening. And I like that. And we saw that in this show with Chaos and Jay White kind of holding up the briefcase. And now we know going into this pay-per-view coming up this weekend, it's going to be Jay White versus Tanahashi for the IWGP briefcase. That's going to be really interesting. Um, I don't know what would the better match be. I think both matches at Wrestle Kingdom would be great. So I really don't think it matters who wins, but at the same time, like I love the idea of the story of Jay White and Kenny, but I really like the idea of Kenny proving that he's cemented as a top guy if he goes against who's known as the ace. Like Okada had to face Tanahashi multiple times to establish himself as the top guy, so I feel like now it's Omega's turn to do that. So even though I kind of more intrigued story-wise by White, I guess Tanahashi would be kind of cool for Omega cementing his uh, status. Before we get into any other specifics, uh, one other thing, or a couple other things, uh, JR on the commentary, uh, certainly adding Kevin Kelly added a lot to it, but JR still took a couple little shots at the product, which, you know, he wasn't as bad about with Kevin Kelly sitting there, but he still did the, the, the chops and saying, you know, it's silly that they don't defend themselves, and Kevin Kelly rightfully kind of corrected him. Yeah, he said, you know, um, this is kind of what, Fight, fighting spirit symbolize like this is in the spirit of fighting spirit and strong style which is what new japan's all about and multiple matches you've got guys just trading blows sitting there waiting in the ring you know egging on the other guy to hit him that is what new japan is so jr making that comment even if he feels that way why say that out loud why address it it really doesn't make sense your job as a commentator is to get the product over JR's not a heel commentator, you know? So there's no reason for him to say something like that. Yes, that might be his true opinion, but it doesn't matter. No need to say it. I like that Kevin Kelly kind of balanced him out, and obviously Kelly was... You never felt like Kelly was correcting JR, which I thought was great, and it kind of is a testament to Kelly and how smooth he is, and he kind of just jumped in here and there, and you had a nice you know, observation about the flow of the commentary that was similar to All In. Tell yeah, us about that. Yeah, I mean... You, you put two play-by-play -play guys together, you feel like they're going to jump all over each other and step all over each other. That wasn't the case with JR and Kevin Kelly, much like it wasn't the case with Ian and Excalibur at All In. That was even smoother in a three-man booth. Here, the two guys, I, uh, that was one of the things I was very impressed with, uh, that they didn't jump all over. But, you know, the other thing you pointed out about JR, and I don't really have a problem with it, but he... You noticed he kept bringing up WWE references. Yeah, a lot of times. Like, he mentioned The Rock. I believe he mentioned Stone Cold. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, 
I know he's got a history. He the Rockers one time. I oh, remember he did, that. yes. <laughs> and I know he's got a history with WWE, obviously a long history. Um, but you're representing this brand. I'm not saying that you can never reference WWE or that Kevin Kelly and Don Callis never do. I'm just saying that it just seems so apparent. It makes JR really seem like a homer, a WWE homer, when he's being paid to put this product over. Luckily, you had that balance with Kevin Kelly. If it was Josh Barnett, I think it would be a lot more egregious. But another thing that's funny, I know that he really wasn't there, but there was a guy, I swear, I was right by ringside, and there was a guy that looked like Josh Barnett. So I was sitting here thinking, like, did they make up that Josh Barnett was busy, and he's sitting here right, like, next to commentary table <laughs> ducking? But no, I guess it was just a guy that looked like him. But uh, if, if anyone was there, the guy sitting next to JR looked just like Josh Barnett. It yeah, was so he weird. had his head bowed, and he was holding the railing all the time, basically, just to uh, protect JR. Uh, one other thing before we get into specifics of uh, matches, uh, Zack Sabre and Evil have kind of had this growing little rivalry. Uh, Zack Sabre says uh, that Evil looks like he's dressing up for Halloween and he's given his thoughts about Halloween and he gave his thoughts to you as well about Halloween. Yeah, he did. He talked about Halloween at the press conference, and uh, much to my chagrin, he's really not a fan of the holiday that I love so much. So take a listen. This is what he had to say. Oh, it makes perfect sense, that, uh, that American loves L.I.J.D. Because you're both morons, you love Halloween. Yes, this I did say that Halloween's rubbish. Some of that I don't know. Halloween's fine for children. In fact, it's very cute for little kids to dress up, get sweets. If you're an adult, you're a moron, surrounded by cretins. Right? Halloween season. It's a month away. You can't walk anywhere in this stupid country without seeing a bloody pumpkin. Right? I just wrestled three pumpkin heads. I beat them. So yeah, ZSJ, not a fan of Halloween. Uh, I hate that. But, you know, it's not only against evil. He's actually been saying stuff against Halloween, even towards Naito. So this has been going on for a while, for a few weeks now. It's such a shame. It's my favorite holiday. Yeah, I know. I think maybe all that love that you were starting to build up again for ZSJ uh, may be going away. It's gone. <laughs> it's done. Well, you alluded <laughs> to this a few minutes ago. Uh, Tanahashi and Kushida versus uh, Gato and Jay White. Obviously, we had the issue last week, so we didn't get a, t a chance to talk about uh, Jay White turns on Okada, no surprise. But then Gato turns on Okada, and so they end up as a tag team in this show. And, uh, you know, Gato used the heel tac tactics with the brass knuckles. Uh, Jay White, great on the mic. Something you talked about earlier about a potential title match for him. He made a mention on the mic saying there is no way New Japan would have two foreign guys fight for their title, which I thought was an interesting take but all around there's a lot of chaos and chaos as you use the line and we'll hear again here in a second uh what do you make of all this and i guess uh, you got a good answer about this from the third party in this yeah, I mean, I was asking Kenny Omega, you know, what is all this development, how is that going to come back and affect him in his championship match at Wrestle Kingdom? You know, I basically was trying to ask him, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Chaos, and Jay White's behind it all. So, is Jay White going to come back and bite Kenny in the butt and end up with the briefcase after all? We'll know after this weekend, and here's what Kenny had to say about it. With all the chaos happening in chaos, how do you think that might affect you and your championship in the future? you think he'll come back and bite you? Um, you know, I, I'm no stranger to interfaction warfare, as you know. And uh, it just goes to show that, you know, families fight. Teammates fight. And uh, it's not just original to and unique to the Bullet Club. 
Look at chaos. They fell apart just as we did. You know, championships, money, pushes, main events. These corrupt people. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I had a feeling that, you know, chaos would crumble eventually. Okada had that top seat for far too long. And it was just a matter of time before someone got jealous. Before someone took their chance to eliminate the top dog. That's the reason why things happened the way that they did. And, sure, maybe I don't believe Jay is everything that he thinks that he is. But that's not even my issue. That's, that's none of my concern. None of those men are slated to be a number one contender. And until they are, that's when I'll start paying attention. Good stuff from Kenny. And, uh, of course, this weekend, it'll be him versus Ibushi versus Cody in a triple threat match in that show, which ought to be awesome. Uh, moving on, junior heavyweights, that second semifinal in that tie, uh, tournament to determine a new champion because of Takahashi's injury. Osprey versus Skrull. I didn't think this was nearly as good as that match a few months ago, and not just because the other one was so brutal, but this one just didn't seem as good, although the electric start by Osprey was amazing. I wouldn't use the word not nearly as good. <laughs> I thought it was good. I would even say great. Now, their last match was insanely incredible. Well, that's why, yes. Yes, but I'm not <laughs> going to say it wasn't nearly as good. I, it, it was still a great match. It was. Osprey's my you, favorite. You just said it, the other one was insanely good. This one was just great. That's, <laughs> that doesn't mean yeah, it was Yeah, but terrible. there's a big difference between insanely good and great and then good. <laughs> and, you know, something like a lot better than good. But, um, you know, Osprey's one of my favorites. So here's where I'll mention. So not only did I get to be at the press conference at this, I got to be ba- basically backstage for every wrestler's comments, and it was so flippin' awesome. Got a lot of great answers, and I'm really proud of the work I did there. But another thing I was able to do was to take photographs with my cell phone by ringside, and that was really unique. So I was basically right behind the barricades for the Osprey Skrull match, as well as some other matches we'll talk about in a minute. Seeing what they did up close was great. I was even closer than the first row, so it was really... A very unique perspective, and like I said, Osprey's my favorite. In fact, you know, I always kind of say that Suzuki's my number one, but I've come to realize, and it started, we'll talk about this later, this weekend with the ROH Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. I really came to the realization, Osprey's kind of like my number one, too. It's almost like him and Suzuki are tied for me. So I loved the Skrull match, and I'm actually surprised that Skrull won. How do you feel about the, uh, you know, the outcome? Um... I guess I was a little surprised, especially because uh, Osprey and Kushida have had a little back and forth. But maybe in the that's past, why. But maybe that's why they've had a lot of matches together recently. So maybe that's why. And Skrull winning with something we had never heard of before that finishing move, the graduation. Uh, I thought that was interesting. But now, you know, we'll discuss this a little later in the show. Sets up a, a final between Kushida and Skrull. That should be a great match. I mean, they've been involved in matches together before. Like, remember the Wrestle Kingdom match, the Fatal 4-Way? That was amazing. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know who's going to win, but actually someone asked me about this right. in our uh, Ask Two-Face segment, so we will address this in a little while. Exactly, exactly. Uh, let's turn our attention to the Young Bucks versus uh, Gorillas of Destiny. Um the um, the video package to start was so good and and now Matt's back to selling his back a little bit uh, and of course his back didn't get done any favors as Tongaloa pushed him off the top of the rope through the table. Uh, what were your thoughts about God winning? I, it seemed like it kind of made sense. That was my prediction going in. In fact, I told Raj who was with me. I said 
G.O.D.'s going to win the titles right now. And he's like, no, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like 100% positive. I should have said 99.9%, <laughs> but it came true. And then we said we should have a prediction show where I, it's Kelsey calls it. But then again, I made some wrong predictions late <laughs> in the night. So I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, 100% on every prediction. But this, I, I think it makes perfect sense for the firing squad storyline moving forward and I think the Bucks had it enough time to establish themselves as successful heavyweights so I don't think it really hurts them too much I mean they're always going to be the top of the card with or without belts so I think the firing squad aka G.O.D. they are the ones who could benefit from this and it's going to be interesting seeing what develops if they do end up well quote recruiting anybody and in fact I asked Tamatonga and uh, Tongaloa, if they had plans on recruiting, and this is what they had to say. What's next with the recruitment? It's open. We're looking for the best. Right now, we have four. Four that we're looking at. Junior ways for Shimori. Now, when it comes down to it, he will be the one that makes the decision who his partner will be. We got two from the UK, one from Australia, and one from America. That's what we narrowed it down to. Thank you. Thank you for your punk-ass fans for freaking putting in all the names for us to take a look at. Tom Tonga is so great on Mike, and uh, his answers are so good. Uh, he's he's a trip. He, he really makes me laugh. Uh, I, I made one comment during the New Japan show, and I know you will not agree with me because they're your boys, but it seems like the Young Bucks matches, last couple matches I've seen have not been as crazy maybe as in the past. A, do you agree with me? Certainly this weekend, both matches, the 10-man tag, which we'll talk about in a moment, and this one, I mean, there were some spots, but not as crazy as they've been. And I wonder, A, if they're trying to throttle it down a little bit or if it was just kind of this weekend that I noticed it. I've got an extensive answer, so bear with me a little bit here. Now, I can see your point, what you're saying, that the Bucks have toned it down a little bit. They've kind of been doing that almost all year. Um, maybe even into the end of last year, a little bit. I mean, minus the Hardys, the ladder match, that was crazy. But, you know, every now and then when they've got a huge match, I'm talking about, like, huge, then they'll pull out, you know, all the stops and do something crazy. But I feel like mostly they've been trying to do this very consistently where they are more than just spots. They're selling a lot, like the back, Mm -hmm. selling of Matt's back. That's by no accident. And then also doing the cease and desist you know, move at the end versus always doing a Meltzer driver. I feel like all that is very purposely done, kind of transitioning to where they're not always having to do crazy spots. And that's a smart thing to make your career have a lasting, you know, a chance of lasting. So to me, I don't notice it as much as you did because I still think they do crazy spots. It just, it has to be warranted and has to be worth it. I do think that you can consider Matt going through the table pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. I was right there. Yeah. When I say right there, I'll show you guys a picture if you're watching on YouTube right now. If you're not watching on YouTube, please go check it out because I, I'm really proud of the picture. It's like I'm right you know, right by him through the bars, the barricades, and he's like in such pain. Um, obviously, he's selling, but it's just a great picture. and It did look brutal. I mean, I know that... You know they're fine afterwards, but it looked scary. Like I was right there. I heard the thud. Uh, even the photographer next to me touched the table. I guess just to see if like the table really was hard or not. I don't know why he touched the table, but that was awesome. Well, and you say they're fine. They're still sore. They're oh, still course, sore after yeah. matches. But what I mean is like you know his back's not broken. No, or no, anything. of course not. Um, 
Cody versus Juice, U.S. Championship match. Uh, we saw a title change there, which moderate surprise, I thought. I was completely surprised. I guessed the other way. I guess because Cody had the 10 pounds of gold that he would not get the U.S. Championship mm-hmm. because that's a big deal having two belts at once in a promotion one, I just didn't think New Japan would be like, oh, he's got a belt somewhere else, let's give him another belt too. It's one thing if it's Ring of Honor, right. because they're partnered together, but the NWA, like to me, that was a big surprise. In fact, I called that Juice would retain. Yeah. But by some, you know, crazy circumstances, I thought, you know, it would still make Cody not look weak or anything, because that, they were kind of in a dilemma in a way. You don't want Cody looking weak. Right. Because he just won the 10 pounds of gold, and obviously... He was uh, successful in his defense against Willie Mack, which was amazing, by the way. I was at the ROH TV tapings, and that match blew my mind. Willie Mack really should kind of be a lot more over than he is. He was incredible. I loved that match. And, in fact, throughout the whole TV tapings, I think that was the best part. So, uh, having known that Cody successfully defended there, you know, he's got to look strong going into his rematch with Aldis. Right. So, I don't know. This was very surprising to me, but I guess it was the right move. If they were going to do this, I said this two weeks ago, they should have made it a title for versus title match because he ends up taking a title anyway. So, I think the building of title versus title would have made it even even bigger. Um, but then I Brandy, think people might have assumed maybe. that Juice would have uh, Maybe, lost. but you never know. Lagana could have worked out a, a deal. Have Juice have both momentarily. Who knows? Yeah. Um Brandy very involved in that match, but uh, and I I get the sense Cody's going back to his heelish ways a little bit. I said that to you, um, which I think he's better as a heel, to be honest. Yeah, and he's claiming that you know there is no such thing as pure True. heels or pure faces, but actually you know Raj, who was with me at the show, said he totally disagreed because Cody was playing the pure heel literally less than a year ago. So he knows that he could still play a pure heel and that there are such things because he was doing it. Yeah. So I got to say, I also take exception with what Cody's saying about there's no such thing as pure heel or face. Now, I'm not saying that you can't go between, like, one, you know, turn back to being a face and then turn back to being a heel. And that there are, of course, gray areas too. But I think you could still be 100% pure heel. And Cody once was. But, yeah, he's not playing a pure baby face right now. After All In, I thought he would for a while. But, no, it didn't take too long you know, he wasn't completely innocent in that match. But also, Juice had that weird moment where he pushed Brandy. Yeah, she was faking being hurt, but he still pushed her. <laughs> that kind of was a little heelish from Juice. Yeah, so. but I think it was more she surprised him kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could see that. But regardless, Cody walks out of the weekend now holding three major belts. Uh, one from each different organization. Ring of Honor, six-man tag, NWA, and now the U.S. Championship. It's for a big New deal. Japan. Yeah, huge. Cody's obviously a very big deal right now, and rightfully so. And uh, I'm sure everybody wants him to stay outside of WWE. You know, there's contracts coming up in January. It'll be a very interesting time. And apparently, it's been reported that Hangman Page has already denied a WWE offer. Hmm. Now, I don't know how true that is, but uh, they kind of made reference a little bit to it, whether or not it was completely fabricated like all just jokes or if there was some truth to it that depends it was it was referenced on being the elite so that's kind of interesting i'm thinking that they're going to stay outside of wwe but there's other people who think there's a big chance that they could wind up there yeah yeah but it's the same old thing how many guys are they going to acquire and not put to good use uh i referenced a a good article uh, of raw versus smackdown and and the lack of uh 
guys being used on Raw to develop any sorts of rivalries, and those are the kind of guys that would would filter in and maybe get buried. Like we'll talk about Punishment Martinez. Speaking of people who are leaving and going to NXT or WWE, we will talk about that in a little while. And will that really be a good thing? And can they thrive there when there's so many people there now? We'll we'll just talk a lot more about that because I've got a lot to say. Well, we'll see. Uh, final match: Okada and Ishii versus the uh, Golden Lovers. Uh, this was a good match. Certainly, some great spots. I, I, the Okada drop kicks, like the missile drop kick into the corner, was so good. And the palm strike sequence between Ibushi and Ishii was brutal. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> I was, like, again, by ringside for that. And it was, like, you could hear it, like, echo. It was so <laughs> crazy. Like, it was so loud when I was right there. Like, I can't even do it justice. It was louder than that. It was awesome. Ultimately, Golden Lovers win. No surprise there. And as I mentioned a little while ago, we've got a triple threat set up for this weekend. But overall, you had a good time there? <laughs> I had a great time. And I'm very proud of the work I did, but at the same time, I really didn't get to see the whole show. That's why you and I had to rewatch it, because there's no way I could have reviewed it without watching. Because half the time I was trying to take pictures, and then a lot of times before the match ended, or in the middle of the match, I would go upstairs to the press area to get the post-match interviews, to get ready for it. So yeah, not much time to actually absorb the matches, but I had an amazing time, and uh, it's a company I'm very proud to support. Earlier in the weekend, as we switch our attention to Ring of Honor, it was Death Before Dishonor in Las Vegas. Uh, we'll go through a couple of the matches. The Briscoes versus The Addiction. I thought the Briscoes video package right at the beginning uh, was was really good. I, I always love the Briscoes. And in fact, I'm kind of noticing more and more that they do such a great job. Obviously, they know kind of the direction they're going with their promos especially video package promos, but um, I think they do such a great job at being believable and coming off like, you know, hardcore kind of. I love that about them. So even though it may be somewhat scripted and not just totally off the cuff where they're saying whatever off the top of their heads, like I feel like Cody is more off the cuff sometimes on the top of his head, whereas the Briscoes it feels a little more planned, but it still comes off like you believe what they're saying, and that's what I love about them. Yeah. The match ending with uh, Kazarian getting busted open, that was pretty brutal, too. And let me also add that the crowd was not on fire. Now, I know this match was earlier in the night, but you've got one of your, you know, your two of your best tag teams in all of Ring of Honor. And Ian made some interesting points on commentary. The Briscoes and the Addiction have only met on, you know, three other occasions when it was two-on-two. So this was their fourth occasion only in many, many, many years in Ring of Honor. And, you know, that I found very surprising. So because of that, the cr- I was surprised the crowd wasn't more into it. But it could have been the mixing. You know how we complain about the sound mixing? Yeah, but I still got that. I mean, you compare it. Look, the Briscoes took on SCU, basically a different, you know, trading out one guy there. And it was insane during All In. It was not even close to that at Death Before Dishonor. Unless the mixing was so bad. Yeah, you know, it completely was drowned out, but I don't, I didn't get that sense. But also at All In, it was reversed. A lot of times, Briscoes are cheered, but at All In, they were booed. Right. Which was very out of the norm, because at least they sometimes are, like, split the crowd. Like, even when they face the Young Bucks, they split the crowd, and half the crowd are chanting Briscoes and the other half Young Bucks. Um, at All In, it was all boos. People were totally behind SCU, so that is an interesting observation from there. Whereas this was just kind of like, it wasn't like they were pro-addiction 
or pro Briscoes. They were really just kind of mellow, the crowd. So I don't know about that, but I enjoyed the match nonetheless. I really, really did. And um, I really liked it. And now it's surprising the result because I really thought that the um, Addiction would win since they were 0-3. and three. Nope, they didn't win, and they were 0-4 and four now. Yeah, That's exactly. surprising. SCU! SCU! Southern California Uncensored! What you got? Yeah, you guys are now 0-4 and four against the Briscoes. And, you know, Oof. they're the ROH tag champs. So what Oof. are you going to do besides this win to bounce back from that? That's a pretty big loss. Let me it's explain something loss. about the Briscoes. That's correct. You see this up here? Pretty ugly looking. You know why? Because I had to have my head super glued back together two nights ago in Las Vegas. You know why? Because Mark Briscoe, the madman that he is, threw a chair at my head. They're reckless, they're dangerous, and they're warriors. And yeah, we are 0-4. You know what? Maybe we'll be 0-5. Maybe we'll be 0-10. It's that one win that counts. When we beat them, we take their titles, and we secure our jobs in Ring of Honor. Jay Just Briscoe, one. Jay Briscoe gave me a J-Driller on the floor. J-Driller in the ring. It took two of them to beat me. And let me tell you, my neck is still sore. My neck is very, very fragile. After 25 years, all the injuries I've had, Jay Driller twice, it was very dangerous. But that doesn't mean that I'm shying away from a rematch with Jay and Mark Briscoe. We've made the open challenge. All we have to do is earn that opportunity again to get in the dance against the Briscoes. And hey, I don't mind taking the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles to the Tag League. So maybe it happens that quickly. Or maybe when we win the Tag League, we come back and win the Tag Team titles from the Briscoes. Happy to do either are you happy? Which way we, how are you want to Six do it? one, half a dozen, the other, yeah. as they say. Uh, women of Honor match, Sumi and uh, Tennille Dashwood. And I'm going to preface this by saying this is a low bar to clear because a, a lot of Women of Honor matches have been subpar. But this was a really good match, I thought, and the Tennille powerbomb of Sumi onto the floor, that was quite a thud on that. It was, and um, I actually tweeted out during the show when I was watching it live that I felt it was like the best Woman of Honor's match. It was the best Woman of Honor match all year. Maybe even since Sumi won the title. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I really thought that they stepped it up because so many times they were on like either Facebook Live or the pre what Ring of Honor considers a pre-show that is. Um, but this time they were on the actual pay-per-view. So I feel like they knew how important that was and they stepped up the game and really gave it their all because they knew they were on a platform with more eyes than usual. And um, I got to give I got to give them props because they did exactly what they were supposed to do and they made the Women of Honor division look really good. And Sumi wins on an arm bar where Tennille just passes out and uh, the referee gives Sumi the victory. Now let me make a quick note. So I was not in Las Vegas for the pay-per-view. I was, however, in Vegas for the television tapings, which were the night, was the night after the, the pay-per-view. And Tennille, yeah, she had that great match the night before, but then she came out and made the announcement that her shoulders really hurt and she needs to have shoulder surgery. So she's going to go off to do that and... um. Also, that she has, like, an autoimmune disease with a rash all over her body. It was really sad. She almost, you know, kind of choked up a little bit. And there was some jerk in the crowd who said, you suck, to, to her. And that's really messed up. And I don't know. Something about that Las Vegas crowd. Yeah, they were really, like, ruckus later in the show at the pay-per-view. But it was the same crowd, but less, for the TV tapings. And that might be why they were kind of subdued. It was just an odd crowd. Because there was two people who said she sucked, and I don't know why. Hmm. Punishment Martinez taking on Chris Saban, and I know some people have sort of alluded to this, and maybe not even to the detail I did, 
but I'm watching Saban's promo, and he looked a lot like Dean Ambrose. But I've always thought he also looked like Daniel Bryan. So I think, <laughs> I think it was it could be the old Conan bit. If they mated, if Daniel Bryan and Dean Ambrose had a kid together, it would be Chris Saban. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that with his new haircut, I guess. And people were making Twitter jokes about that a couple of weeks ago, right after he got the haircut. Now, this match was a lot shorter than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I was excited because I love Punishment Martinez, his athleticism, and Saban's always been great in mm-hmm. the ring. So to see it go so short, that was kind of a disappointment to me. Well, um, and Martinez won it without really doing much of his stuff that makes him so great. That was disappointing, too. And also, spoiler, the next night he lost the title during the TV tapings to Jeff Cobb. So if they were going to do that, I I guess it was more impactful to do it that way versus letting Saban get in and and then letting Cobb beat Saban, especially considering punishment's leaving. So you don't want to hurt Saban by making him lose to Cobb, but it doesn't matter if it's Martinez. So I guess that's the reasoning behind that. But uh, I would have at least liked them to go a lot longer to show that Saban was like a really good contender against punishment, you know? Well, and look, these are two guys who can do high-flying stuff. I, I would have liked to have seen punishment do some of that stuff, but disappointing that he did not. And at that point in the pay-per-view, no titles had changed. And I was very surprised by this because I thought Tanil, this is before I knew she was hurt, I thought she had a good chance of winning. And then I also thought that the addiction, there's no way they're going to be 0-4 and four against the Briscoes, but yet they were. <laughs> and then this... Again, punishment just retained. So I was very surprised going this far into the match that nothing had really changed hands. But it was still good nonetheless, and it didn't really affect my enjoyment of the pay-per-view at all. And again, Cobb coming out, the crowd went insane. Everyone's loving <laughs> So did Caprice Coleman. I oh, wrote yeah. down, it's Cobb, it's Cobb, it's Cobb. He must have said it eight times. It was great. Almost like, it's got to be Kane or something. <laughs> That's funny. He was really excited. Also, you know, since you mentioned Caprice, he did a great job on commentary. I love him. You know, I've got a soft spot for him since we interviewed him at Supercard of Honor. But a great guy, and he really did a wonderful job. He had a funny kind of nature to him, but he also could be serious. And he made some good points throughout the night as well. Later in the show, Bully Ray and Silas Young teaming up against Colton Flip. And I thought Bully's promo before the match was so good. In fact, it came... All the way through everything, down to he even berates his own tag team partner, saying Silas Young had gone soft, which you never hear a guy berate his own teammate right before the match. As soon as he did that, I knew that they would come to blows during the match, and they did. And I even wrote that down. Like, as soon as they they did that promo, I just knew that there would be a problem between them, and there was. Bully Ray was the uh, victim of the What's Up as Flip did the springboard into the What's Up, and... uh, the aftermath of Bully screaming, my balls, my balls. Uh, that was hilarious. <laughs> but let me also say, I smiled so big when Ian came running in mm-hmm. to try to give Colt the chair to use against Bully. That was so well done. And uh, I, I thought Ian did a great job playing up how terrible he thought Bully was, like he always does. And in fact, I tweeted him, can't wait for Ian to say that Bully's human garbage. That was during the video package. And right when they came back from the package, Ian said, oh, here he comes. He's a piece of human garbage. So he said exactly the, the phrase that I love when he says after he saw and liked my tweet. So and, that was kind of cool. And at the end of the match, Bully pulls a fast one with the referee down. Flip actually eliminated both guys, but mm-hmm. then he pulls... Silas Young off the table, puts Flip on the table, and they get the victory. I thought that was a good way to end it. Yeah. To keep things alive, and yeah, I, I like that. I agree. Ten-man uh, tag match, Bully Club versus Chaos. Uh, Nick Aldis was on commentary, and he was great. That was one of my favorite parts of the night because 
it's very difficult to balance promoting something, which he was doing promotion about NWA 70, that show that's coming up, and I'll be there, by the way, so if you guys are there, be sure to tell me hello. I'm very excited, because that's where the rematch will happen. But all just perfectly balance that, as well as making some astute observations, but also being kind of like the sly heel where he's saying things against, you know, um, Cody and against even Ian. Yeah, against Ian. I love that because he was like, yeah, Ian, you were blubbering when Cody won the title saying you were so happy and (laughs) crying and basically berating Ian for being so happy about Cody and kind of being partial to Cody. And also, I really love the things he was saying about Ishii. He called him. Well, Ishii, first of all, does this flip off of the top rope, which I've never seen Ishii do anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, right off the bat, I'm like, oh my God, that was amazing. And then Aldis jumps in and says uh, that he was like a human flesh boulder. Mm -hmm. And then he used another line. Yeah, he said uh, he was also like a flying Japanese bus. (laughs) I love that. And of course, um, we had basically best friends, but also Rocky Romero in the same match as well. And I loved it because to me, it was like a mini Rapungi Vice reunion. Mm-hmm. And I'm really partial to Rapungi Vice are. over Rapungi 3K. So it's kind of cool. And they teased a three-way hug between Trent, Chuck Taylor, and Rocky. And that was awesome. And Capri said, it's hard to watch Rocky and not smile. And I have to agree. <laughs> I love Rocky Romero. One of my other observations in that match, uh, Okada was getting more crowd noise and... and uh, cheers than the Young Bucks, which is just shocking to hear, but boy, the crowd loves Okada. Well, yeah, they do, and you know, a U.S. crowd, I think, is thankful for whenever they can see Okada, because a lot of them can see the Bucks, you know, right. a lot more often than somebody like Okada. So, to me, it makes a lot of sense that they cheer him, and, you know, people get excited whenever he's on the card, and that's... That's for a reason. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And also, let me quickly mention, we were talking about how great Aldis was. He had another good line where he was talking about how Caprice changed his tune more than Cody changes his hair color. (laughs) I love that. thought that was a great line. Um, And they announced, the big announcement, that the rematch at NWA 70 is going to be a two out of three falls match. I think that'll be a very exciting match. After Aldis said that, Cody came to the table and said... You know, he's acting like he's still the dealer. This is my title now. I make the rules. Yes, I accept two out of three falls. But, you know, he's under my rules now. So, having said that, I kind of asked Cody all about that. You know, Aldis is still acting like he's the dealer. But as you said the other day, you're the dealer now. So, how are you going to use this awesome momentum just, you know, gaining the second title in your rematch? What's your name? Kelsey. You're very animated. And you work for Wrestling Inc.? Yep. I'm sorry, the question was, what do I do about the rematch? No, how do you use this momentum going into the rematch? Wrestling is highs and lows. I sat here and pretty much ripped everybody to shreds in the room. It's pretty much uncalled for. But I'm on a high. I've been on plenty of lows, believe me. I plan on continuing the high. Nick Aldis is way better than the internet, than the locker room gave him credit for being. He is outstanding. He's responsible for this sitting here, actually. He really is. But Nick Aldis does not benefit from a two out of three falls match. That match goes a bit of the distance. It has the chance to. And all puffed up like Clubber Lang at 238 pounds, I have more soul than anybody in the industry. I can go longer. Can I not? I'm pretty long. Marathon man. Marathon man. Oh! It doesn't benefit him one bit. It's a big front. Him and Jeff Jarrett are essentially putting on their version of All In. That's sweet. 
Jeff Sweet. He wants his revenge over the GFW disaster, which was partially my fault. I just mailed him the belt back. Guess what? Jeff, show up, sit in the front row, and I'll beat your boy one, two, three. Pick him up, beat him one, two, three again. End of story. Moving on. Who do I face next? Final match of the night was uh, Jay Lethal versus Will Ospreay, and we knew this one was going to be great. Uh, the 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 chops from Lethal to Osprey. We talked about echoing chops at New Japan. The chops in that show were echoing as well as Osprey's chest got lit up. Oh, yeah, it was so red. And even Caprice said something about how Lethal had such heavy, big hands. And he said, literally, he said, it echoes. So that's a phrase he literally used while on commentary. And you could totally tell that, watch it from home, the crowd was way more into it than earlier in the night. And I loved to hear that because, rightfully so, it was a great match against mm-hmm. two of my favorites yep. and two of the best wrestlers in the world, quite honestly. And uh, I think they did a good job at teasing Osprey, kind of going into a not-honorable direction. He almost used the belt against uh, Lethal, but then he ended up not. And I liked that a lot. I liked the teasing of it. That was after Bobby Cruz had gotten super kicked and there was a little chaos outside the ring. And somehow he catches the title perfectly. Yeah. Osprey, it's kicked up into the yeah. air and he just catches yeah. it. That was a, you talk Flawless. about the artistry of wrestling sometimes. That was perfect as Bobby Cruz flung it up in the air and it lands with Jay Lethal. I mean with uh, Will Osprey. Lethal ends up hitting a, a power bomb off of the top rope, then hits Lethal Injection. He gets the pinfall on Osprey, and I didn't notice this. You noticed on the pinfall, though, Osprey kicks out just after three. It's a little touch, and actually, I didn't notice it the first time when I was watching live, but when we rewatched together, that's the one match I rewatched. I loved seeing that because it shows that Osprey was this close to winning and to being successful against Lethal. So it doesn't hurt Osprey at all, and it was literally like a split second, not even a whole second. Um,. Right after he got the three count, and that was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was a really good. And then after the match, Kingdom attacks. And how about Taven's new look? Taven's new look <laughs> is kind of cool, and I think it makes him look more menacing. And I love that he had a purple Ring of Honor belt, and he said, "I'm the rightful Ring of Honor champion." So obviously, we're going to see some tension there. And if he gets a push, I think that's the right direction to go in. And I wouldn't be surprised if he takes the belt off a of lethal. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me either. They've they've kind of been hinting that Taven's going to get some sort of big run here soon. So a big weekend in New Japan and Ring of Honor and a big weekend for WWE, even though this isn't the the sexiest show. It's a big show for WWE as they go to the Cricket Stadium in Melbourne. Big crowd going to be on hand. But a lot of matches, we talked about it earlier, where it's just tag teams that are kind of thrown together. I mean, really the only consequential one is the Shield versus Dolph and Braun and McIntyre and their whole teasing that Dean Ambrose may, you know, turn on the shield and all that stuff. But, Triple H. But, yeah, uh, there are four, I would say, matches of consequence. But overall, this is not anything overly exciting, but it's going to be a big spectacle. I can't believe I'm going to wake up at four in the morning for this. Whereas <laughs> New Japan, I would gladly do so. <laughs> That's terrible. I know you're going to say I'm biased, but the wrestling quality is just not equal, in my opinion. Now, the spectacle will be cool, but again, we've talked about this. I'm excited for Triple H and Undertaker, but I'm also very hesitant to believe it's going to be good because of the last few matches Undertaker's had. So I'm very hesitant to be excited about it at the same time. So I don't know how to feel. How do you feel? No, I, I mean... Look, it'll be cool to see them in the ring and with Shawn Michaels and Kane outside. I think it'll be interesting. 
we've said it the last two pay-per-views. The best match is going to be AJ versus Samoa Joe. There's no doubt about it. I think Daniel Bryan versus Miz will be really good. And I think Charlotte and Becky will be really good. And really, those are, to me, the four matches that are even remotely interesting. Everything else is a hodgepodge tag team that doesn't really excite me. But those four matches, I am kind of excited about. You know, look, we, I, 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 I 100% agree with you on The Undertaker because he's not looked good. I'm trying to take the perspective of let's appreciate getting to see him while we can. Yeah, but, yeah, of course. But it hasn't been good the last couple. So I'm hoping maybe maybe he's going to rise to the occasion. Of course, Triple H is great selling, helping out other wrestlers. So in that regard, I think it'll be good. And it might even be Undertaker's best opponent to carry him to a great match. Right. Maybe we've got the best chance of seeing that. And I just want to say I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Undertaker. No, I know. I very much appreciate what yes. he's done and respect him greatly. And heck, I mean, if I wrestled that many years in the business, I'm sure I couldn't move around right. good, you know, either or have the best match ever. So I'm not saying that I could do any better or that anybody else could very much respect him. Just it, it is kind of hard to argue that his last few matches have been not the best, you know. I agree. And uh, for more perspective on Super Showdown, uh, earlier today I got a chance to talk to our good friend from MyBookie.ag, uh, Rafael Esparza. And remember to sign up to MyBookie.ag using the promo code KICKIT, and you can set up a gambling account and bet on the Super Showdown and support our show. But earlier today I got the thoughts of Rafael Esparza and got those gambling odds for this weekend's big show. All right, Raphael. Well, I want to start by just your overall opinion of this pay-per-view. It seems like a lot of thrown-together tag team matches. There's obviously some matches of consequence, but just your overall thoughts on this pay-per-view and maybe this trend by WWE to have these overseas pay-per-views. Well, you, you hit it, nailed on it. It's a whole bunch of throw-in six-woman tags, six-woman men's tag. I mean, just a bunch of tag matches. And I understand why they did it, because so more stars can be in the ring, at the arena, at the event, uh, after the show, before the show. I, I totally understand. And I, and I think that's why we, yeah, it's a pay-per-view, but we should just call it what it is. It's, it's an event, an out-of-the-country event, not an out-of-the-country pay-per-view where I don't think we're going to see many title changes. I don't think we're going to see that much of a, a shock and awe. If, if we were, if, if it was like a Royal Rumbles, uh, SummerSlam, uh, all those big events, I just think it's a, an event in Australia. How can we get as many stars uh, in the ring as possible? Let's make a whole bunch of tag teams, uh, tag team matches. All right. Well, with that being said, really, let's talk about, I guess, the four matches of consequence. Uh, let's start with the SmackDown Women's Championship uh, Becky Lynch, they're trying to put her over as a heel, but the crowd is so behind her, and you've got her as a big favorite against Charlotte. Yeah, I just don't see, uh, again, title change in this event, and I, and I feel bad that they're really trying to push her as a heel, but the crowd just loves her, and, 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 and respect that. I think she deserves to be a women's champion for a, a couple months, and then if you want to strip her with either Charlotte Flair or somebody else, I, I totally understand that because she's not... She's a, her name is not going to be like the Charlotte Flairs or the Ronda Rouses. I understand that. But she has well-deserved this championship run. That's why I have her as a huge favorite. I don't see Charlotte Flair winning this match uh, or pinning her to, to take away the title, maybe a disqualification somewhere or, or, or something happens. If Becky Lynch does walk out and comes back to the States with the belt uh, around her waist. But I kind of like this feud. I, I, I feel really bad for the man. 
put a suit to the back. They really want this negativity on Becky Lynch, but the crowd just keeps on. As much raunchy or bad stuff she says as Charlotte, the crowd just eats it up more and more. So for me, I think it's more laughter because I know what the suits in the back are trying to do, but they're not succeeding. For me, it makes it more funny than it makes it more serious. Well, speaking of that, let's move uh, to a, another individual who the same thing happened a few years ago. They they wanted to kind of bury Daniel Bryan, and the crowd kind of dictated otherwise. He has come back, and uh, he's got a big match against The Miz. Uh, what, do, what do you see in this one? Yeah, this one this one's probably an interesting one because I think they can go a, a totally different way than what they did if it was another pay-per-view. If it was another uh, state's pay-per-view, a big one, I think The Miz would probably maybe win this just because I think they can add this feud. But since it's an out-of-the-country in Australia, you figure the Daniel Bryan crowd fans are probably going to be uh, a more vibrant uh, out of a country than it would be back in the state. So we had Daniel Bryan minus 180. Taking some uh, two-way action, some money came in on The Miz just because I think uh, it's the plus 140 that's intriguing because it wouldn't shock me who wins this match. A, there's no title being exchanged, so it doesn't really shock me if The Miz wins or Daniel Bryan wins. I think Daniel Bryan will uh, come out victory. That's why we have him a small favor. But I think it's probably this match right here might be the sleeper of the card because I know there's so many matches, but this one has the potential to be one of the best ones of the night. So I'm really excited to watch this because I think the, the, the people in the back, the suits, and Daniel Bryan, the Miz, they could throw a wrench in it, and we would be excited no matter how this occurs. Well, I think the result of this match might actually say something about what happens in the SmackDown uh, championship match. Uh, great rivalry between AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, and I could see if Daniel Bryan wins. That means that Samoa Joe maybe wins, although they've wanted to push a Daniel Bryan-AJ Styles match. In that title match, you've got AJ Styles holding on to the belt. Yeah, I, I do, and I think that, I, I think Samoa Joe will be the championship. I just don't think it's going to be this one. I, I think AJ Styles will, will, will come out one, and I wouldn't be shocked if Samoa gets him maybe in the next pay-per-view or something like that. Or maybe the suits in the back want Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles to be uh, the next uh, arresting and no matter what I think whoever wins uh, Daniel Bryan the Miz which I still think is going to be Daniel Bryan I think he that that winner aka Daniel Bryan will be in a mix for the WWE Championship maybe we'll see a triple threat between AJ Styles and Mojo or something like that I think Daniel Bryan the Miz feud goes away a little bit and I think Daniel Bryan goes and maybe gets the WWE, WWE Championship so this one's going to be very interesting I have AJ Styles minus two dollars money is coming in on AJ Styles but would not be shocked if Samoa Joe pulls off the upset, and then maybe we see a Brian Samoa Joe for a championship or, or or something like that. This one's right here has probably the biggest question mark on the card of what could go both ways, AJ Styles or Samoa Joe. Finally, let's talk about the, uh, the big match uh, that they've been pushing, obviously, Triple H and The Undertaker, one final meeting. Uh, you've got The Undertaker as the favorite, but you've also got some prop bets as well, so why don't you talk a little about that? Yeah, Triple H money actually came in. We we opened up uh, Undertaker minus uh, one eighty. Now it's minus one seventy five. So people taking uh, Triple H uh, that plus money, and, and I think it's Undertaker. There's no what tell if if you could tell me the main reason why Triple H wins this, the the end of story and all that. There's no main reason why Undertaker is the icon. Undertaker is pretty much you could put his shadow face right next to the logo of WWE, and you wouldn't get no complaints from anybody. Fan wise, wrestling wise, or stuff like that, just what he's meant for WWE. There's more upbringing, 
for having the Undertaker win this than it has anything to do with Triple H. Triple H is still going to put a suit on and still run the show after this match. The Undertaker maybe ride his bike and, and ride off to the sunset sooner than later. Yeah, but I think the pop, the betting props we have on there that you mentioned, does Triple H beat the Undertaker by the pedigree move? Uh, yes, it's 3-1. to one. No is minus $4, getting a lot of action on the no, because if you like the Undertaker, you would bet the no on that one. That's why you have it a little bit higher, minus no. Uh, minus four dollars, but the, does the Undertaker beat Triple H by the Tombstone Piledriver? I think he does, just because what we saw on Raw where they he tombstone Triple H. Uh, the yes minus one thirty, which I think is a very low number. We got, got a lot of no action. They think maybe by the choke slam or something like that, but I still think he he beats Triple H by the iconic Tombstone Piledriver because that's what he's really known for. I think he's known more for the Tombstone Piledriver than he is for the choke slam. Especially back in uh, the good old days where uh, Raw was a little bit more raunchy, where it didn't matter what le- what move was legal, what wasn't legal. Pile driver, Tombstone Pile Driver is Undertaker's official move, and I think that's how he beats Triple H. Important to note on that previous prop bet, it's not whether Triple H will hit the pedigree, it's whether he'll beat the Undertaker with the pedigree. I think he will at least hit one pedigree, and you see the Undertaker kick out. Uh, finally, just tell everybody where they can find all this action and uh, have some fun at Super Showdown. Yeah, you can find all these actions at uh, my bookie. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Sports, And uh, also follow me on Twitter. I also have another one, uh, Bet Celebs, where you can find all the crazy celebrity uh, political wrestling prop bets that we put up. Uh, and like I said, you can jump over to my bookie, click under the wrestling. You can bet all, all these on there. Uh, some great fun to have on props when you're watching Super Super Showdown on early, early morning. Uh, and when you're drinking your coffee to watch it, uh, definitely jump over to my bookie. Use that promo code Kick It when you sign up to bet on these wrestling ones. Just jump over to mybookie.ag and also follow me on Twitter at BSI Doc Sports and at Bet Celebs. All right, Rafael, thanks for your time. Take it easy. Take it. Have a great weekend. So the Super Showdown early Saturday morning uh, on the United States side and uh, should be an okay show. Uh, maybe it'll surprise. I just don't have huge expectations. Not much to talk about Raw or SmackDown, but there was one thing in particular that I wanted to get to, which was tremendous. I mean, Elias is so good, but this is almost as much a kudo to the Seattle crowd. It was all the crowd, (laughs) because he insults everybody, every town he goes to. A lot of times with sports stuff, like, you know, for us, it was the Saints. Right. But obviously, Seattle was really sensitive about this topic, and tell us about it, because you actually know more about it than me. No, he struck a nerve, because obviously the Seattle Supersonics... Uh, left town and moved to Oklahoma City to become the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was in, it was right as I moved to New Orleans. So 2009, I think, maybe 2010. Just as Kevin Durant is becoming a star, of course, he gets drafted by Seattle. They moved to Oklahoma City. Of course, they end up going to the NBA Finals. So you can imagine the Seattle crowd. That struck a nerve, and it was unbelievable because they booed for five solid minutes, Kevin Owens and Elias had to basically scream at each other just to hear each other in the ring. It was one of the greatest fan interactions I think I've seen in my time in wrestling. You know, obviously we talk about that Daniel Bryan thing, but that was staged. It was just so raw, no pun intended, and organic, and it was sustained for so long. It really was good. And I think that Elias knew it was something special, and also I think he was just amused by it. He had that smirk. Yeah. So as soon as it started to last, like over a minute or two, he had that smirk and he was like, 
And Kevin Owens kind of, you know, Kevin Owens was more straight faced, but you could kind of tell as he looked around, he was almost taken aback by it. You know, like, well, he didn't really understand the no, reference that much, I don't think, no. or why they were so upset. Because he even said, "I'm not a sports guy," but Elias knew, and uh, yeah, he was smirking about it. I loved that. That was the smirk's almost just as good as the reaction, like the two hand in hand that made it great. It was. It was great, and. Uh, we will look forward to Super Showdown this weekend. No Impact Talk this week, but uh, we'll have plenty to talk about next week as we get ready for Bound for Glory next weekend. But coming up next here on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, it's time for our Pop and Wrestling Connection. And it's all about horror movies. And Marty Skrull, Jimmy Havoc, and Marcel. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, and it's time for the Pop and Wrestling Connection. Kelsey, this of course is one of her ideas, as most of the pop and wrestling connections are, but it's Halloween time, so we're going to have a lot of Halloween-themed stuff for your favorite holiday. I'm with Zack Sabre Jr., it's all rubbish. Whatever. <laughs> Alright, I don't think it's complete rubbish, but it's kind of rubbish. It's fun. You could dress up like wrestlers, you could flip it and have awesome pumpkin pie, you could have candy corn, it's the best time of year, and you could watch awesome horror movies and that's a key here for this pop and wrestling connection horror movies and i took the to me three wrestlers who kind of have like gimmicks that could work in horror movies and i wanted to do something thematic with them and horror so what i did was i said okay so recast skrull marcelia and havoc in any horror movie role and explain why so I'm really excited. I can't wait to give my answer. I have, um, of course, I usually have multiple answers. But um, let's go to the viewer answers first. Why don't you start off with that first one? Okay. Made to be villain at R-L-A-N-G-E-L-E-S. He said, Vinnie Marsalia should be Jack from The Shining. I love that. He said, Skrull should be uh, the new American Psycho. Perfect. I could totally see that too. And Jimmy Havoc could be the new pinhead i like that a lot hellraiser is one of my favorites so heck yeah <laughs> our next one is from darth vapor and his answers Vinny marcellia would be pennywise his red balloons and him disappearing under the ring fits his role perfect jimmy havoc since he does death matches a decent amount of time he would take over the legendary role of jigsaw i like that because he's well sick and twisted person and knows how much pain the human body can handle marty Skrull is the funny villain type he would be cast as Chucky. He's witty, attacks you from any angle, and let's face it, he's a junior heavyweight, so he's small and unpredictable. <laughs> Amazing answers, perfectly thought out, and uh, that's going to be one of my favorites, i got to say. Then we go to Mags and Bags again at Deej Kirkby. I don't think any one movie could contain these monsters. Marty Skrull would be the star in The Plague Doctor. Jimmy Havoc would be the mastermind in Saw-type movie, again with the Saw theme. By making twisted traps for his opponents. Marcelia would be the evil director of the movies, a la Rob Zombie. Oh, I that, like that, too. Yeah, that That's makes good. great sense. 
My people are, are thinking much more outside the box than me. <laughs> uh, next one is from at Chibi Halloween. I could see Skrull as the guy who inherits Freddy Krueger's legacy, not Freddy himself, but the dream killing powers because I can see him torturing, killing horny teens after he snapped their fingers. Havoc always felt like a classic slasher type, like a Jason or a Michael Myers. And from what I've seen of Havoc, he could play in Rob Zombie movies, maybe a distant cousin of the Firefly family from Devil's Rejects. I love her answers. God, so creative. This is one of my favorite pop and wrestlings because the answers have been so well thought out, and they actually fit really, really well. Sometimes, you know, the pop and wrestling, it's kind of hard to make things fit, but this time, it's like to a T on some of these. So we've got PC Hassler at PCH Nilbog, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Marcelia as the Hitchhiker, Skrull as the Cook, and Havoc as Leatherface. <laughs> I love it. Yes, very good, very good. And I like how he did all three of them in the same movie. In the movie. same movie, yes. Yeah, that's very well done. This one from Good Guy Dave. Skrull would be the recast in The Crow. Idea of Marty Skrull being in a supernatural movie themed around birds where he could be himself is very appealing. Jimmy Havoc would be recast in The Silence of the Lambs as Hannibal Lecter. I like that. The way I've seen Havoc come to the ring, looking very respectable, but with that mask on, reminds me of famous scenes of Lecter in, in his movies. And I think Marcelia is supposed to be Jason Voorhees with that mask of his, but I'd recast him as Freddy Krueger because... Marcellia seems to have a ton of personality, just like Freddy. I like it. I think that's very well explained and makes perfect sense. One of my favorite answers as well. I think every answer has been my favorite. Yes. So now we've got two submissions from Ashley at GBTYFan07. She says Havoc as Jigsaw and Saw, Vinny as Michael Myers, and Skrull in a Clockwork Orange. And funny little tidbit, Portrait of a Wrestler, who's run, it's run by James Musselwhite. There's a picture with... Skrull, Havoc, and Osprey, and they all are dressed like people from Clockwork Orange. So uh, if cool. you're watching on YouTube, I'll put a little screen capture, but be sure to check it out on PortraitOfAWrestler.com. Here's her other answer. Uh, Marty is Beetlejuice. <laughs> I love that. Havoc is Hannibal Lecter, and uh, Vinny is Leatherface. So we have got some similar answers, but I like how there was a ton of unique ones. There's some that were only repeated once. That was very, very good, and uh, let's hear yours now. I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. Well, I like horror movies, but I, I'm not as huge a fan as you. But, uh, you know, a lot of the classic ones that we went through uh, certainly are some of my favorites. Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, all classics. Saw, all those, which actually you haven't seen many of those. I haven't. I don't really watch, like, the torture-type movies because they freak me out. <laughs> I get, like, so creeped out if, like, a needle was going into somebody. And I know that one scene from, what was it, was that Saw with the needles? Oh, there's there's a lot of disturbing things. Yeah, like, I would die. I would be like, yeah. I mean, I watch it. I will watch it one day, but I've got to, like, work up the nerve. Like, let's just put it this way. The first time I saw The Hills Have Eyes, which has none of that torture stuff, I was so freaked out and scared forever. <laughs> now I watch it every year, but... Um, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes really freaks me out. And that's like just messed up people. It's not like torture. So I don't know. I don't know if I could handle it. Well, one of my answers is uh, one of our, I believe it was Darth Vapor, had the answer. And I thought the same thing. Marcelia with the balloons coming from under the ring. All you need more is the release of the balloons and maybe Marcelia lifting up the ring apron. And all you see is his eyes. That would be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so Marcelia is Pennywise. Totally makes sense. Uh, the 
These next two are going to be kind of stretches. Jimmy Havoc, I'm going to put as Freddy Krueger. I like it. For two reasons. One, the calendar, which you'll show a picture of, where he is Freddy Krueger, although he he more looks like the Sling Blade character, Billy Bob (laughs) Thornton, with his facial expression, as you'll see in the picture. Uh, But he just seems like he could be the Freddy Krueger type, and now I'm really going to stretch. Who's the actor that played Freddy Krueger? Robert England. Yes. Jimmy Havoc's from England. I, <laughs> I guess it works. <laughs> I'm stretching. Okay. Uh, third one, Marty Skrull. Always wears a mask. So I'm going to go, he would be the killer from the Scream movies. I like that. <laughs> That's great. Because the mask is so much part of his character. Right. So is the Scream guy. I like that a lot, actually. So there you go. Those are mine. I love it. Um... And it's funny, so not only was Havoc pictured as Freddy Krueger in the calendar, but he's also pictured as Pennywise, is the funny part. I'll show a picture of that right now. And again, that calendar is, the photography is all done by James Musselwhite. Check out his work at PortraitOfAWrestler.com. He also did the photography for All In. So that cool picture you see of Cody holding up the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, that was taken by James Musselwhite. Fantastic photographer. Oh, yeah. And um, I just love his work so much. And he says they're coming up with ideas for a second calendar, which we're already looking forward to. And in fact, actually, since we're talking all about this, the, the calendar that Havoc did is Halloween and horror themed, and it's all in kind of homage to Havoc's favorite horror movies. And so each month I take a video of myself turning the calendar page to the next one. So, you know, on October 1st, I turned the page and like, what, you know, Havoc do we have this month? And it was Havoc as Michael Myers, basically standing behind a bush in, you know, Michael Myers, his jumpsuit. So it was in homage to Halloween, which is perfect because Halloween remakes coming out this month. But James always takes time to tell us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes story about the photo shoot. So this is what he had to say about this one. So James said that this was shot in Kent on their way to a lake to shoot the Friday the 13th homage. They saw this bush on the way, and it was a perfect height for the shot. Parked the car. Jimmy Havoc changed in the street in overalls and a mask. Just out of the shot are the bin men doing their morning collection. Probably were wondering what was going on. So yeah, the, the bush is the perfect height. Now, it's not as manicured as the... The shot from Michael Myers, but... Uh, but you and I looked at it, like, side by side. Yeah, it's they're per- close. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's good. Um, but yeah, bin men, they mean, you know, garbage men. For anyone not familiar with some kind of British slang, that they, right. they call them bin men. I love that. Very so, eloquent. So let's get your choices. Okay, I'm very excited about this. All right, so Marty Skrull, I would have him as Jeff Goldblum's character in The Fly. So instead of Jeff Goldblum basically devolving into a fly... Even though I say devolving, he actually gets amplified powers at first, but then it's like totally goes wrong. So Skrull would be uh, turning into like a bird <laughs> or a crow. I kind of like that because you know how he does the whoop whoop with the flapping of his arms just like a bird. So yeah, the fly, yet yeah, it would be called the bird. Then I also had him as uh, starring in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds as just a bird. <laughs> Whatever. So dumb. <laughs> then Vinny Marsalia. I think an underrated horror movie that nobody talks about is Candyman. And Candyman is, um, it's a very, very good movie by Clive Barker. Clive Barker is the director who also did Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a very menacing movie. 
and the guy who plays Candyman, basically you say his name, and he kind of shows up in poor communities and kills people and stuff if you say his name. I think that'd be kind of cool, because I could see Marsalia being great as a murderer villain, because he looks crazy and he's got, like, these crazy eyes. Uh, but also, he can have, like, very subtle eyes. So I think he'd just be the perfect Candyman. I also said he could be the bad guy in Phantasm, where it's, like, this just weird, creepy-looking guy. I think Marsalia could do that, too. Then... Drumroll, my favorite one, Jimmy Havoc. I think I've done something very weird here. So everyone picked villains in horror movies for these wrestlers to play. For Jimmy Havoc, I actually wanted to do something really weird. I made him, I would cast him as the protagonist in Suspiria. And Suspiria, you guys might not know what that movie's about. It's about this girl who goes over to this school for ballet. And all the teachers at the school are very weird. A lot of weird stuff starts happening, and it's got a lot of blood, but the blood is so, like, uh, vividly red. It's kind of cartoonish-looking, but it's one of the most beautiful-looking horror movies ever. And some great makeup and great uh, scare scenes. But basically, we find out later, it's kind of, like, hinted at heavily, so it's not really a spoiler, that uh, it has something to do with witches. So I think Jimmy Havoc would be in the role of the girl going to dancing school, but he'd be going to, like, a hardcore wrestling school, and all the people teaching at the school, they would find out that they're warlocks instead of being witches. So Havoc's got to find a way to beat these warlocks. He's there to learn wrestling. Little does he know he's fighting for his life. He's got to use all kinds of his hardcore weapons, like staple guns and <laughs> bats and stuff and chairs to defeat the warlocks. So it's ridiculous and weird, but it was a swerve answer, and also, I think he could play a great Jack Skellington, which is, of course, the main character of Nightmare Before Christmas, the cartoon, but yeah, just the other day, when they had their big show at Wembley, he actually painted himself white, so you could see the blood really, like, a stark contrast against his painted white body, well, Jack Skellington, who's a, you know, a Skellington, he's white, so I think it would be perfect for Jimmy, you know, kind of skinny, could totally be Jack Skellington. Thanks, everybody, for your answers. Some good stuff, and uh, the Halloween theme will continue throughout the month. We're not going to take a break. We're going to go straight into uh, our questions. It's time for Ask Two-Faced. We decided to combine the segments because we did a late call for questions this week, so we just have a few, and we're going to start with at Aaron underscore PWP. And he asks, since I forgot to participate in the Harry Potter co crossover segment, I'd like to ask you two awesome human beings. Uh, I'm not that awesome when it comes to Harry Potter. He doesn't know anything <laughs> about Potter. I know the butterbeer. That's all about all it's I know. It's delicious, too. <laughs> if you have to cast the Harry Potter characters with current wrestlers, who would you pick? Just main characters are fine. So, Kelsey, the stage is yours. Well, I took a lot of time thinking about this, but... um. I'm going to start off with Hermione. I think a great Hermione would be Natalia. Because to me, she's the ultimate teacher. She always teaches the younger wrestlers how to have a great match and the basics. Hermione's the same way. She's very smart. She's the brains of the three main characters in Harry Potter. And uh, very dependable. Again, that reminds me of Natalia. And in the movie and in the books, Hermione has a cat. So that works out perfectly. Natalia, of course, has two paws. Who would be her cat at Hogwarts? So to me, it works out perfectly. Then I've got my Ron Weasley, and that would be Colt Cabana. Because, you know, he could be goofy, but dependable, but awesome. And a lot of people's favorite. 
Ron is actually people a lot of people say that that's their favorite character in Harry Potter and a lot of people say Colt's one of their favorite wrestlers ever so I think it goes hand in hand and their personalities match too then Harry Potter now this one was a lot harder than I, I anticipated but I I thought of okay well Harry for most of the books yes he wants to do his best to kind of fight Voldemort and to be a good person and a lot of times he doesn't want his friends helping so he's constantly being like no don't help so to me like sometimes Harry gets a little bit annoying how he doesn't want anyone else to help and he's talking about how he's got to like do this on his own and all this stuff and at the same time Harry kind of has that side of him that is influenced by Voldemort as we come to find out later it's because he's partially a, a horcrux um for Voldemort so he's got some of him imprinted on his soul um so he kind of has like these evil t not tendencies but these evil parts to him where he's got he's got the connection with the evil Voldemort and I think having said that somebody who could be good but has a little twinge of evil that comes out Cody Rhodes and um you know he wants to do everything on his own he wants to be kind of the hero he says he doesn't want to be the hero but he ends up being the hero or whatever and I think it'd be a decent Harry Potter I don't know you guys if you can come up with a better one let me know but until you, until you got to the end of that, I have no idea what you were even talking about. You might as well have been speaking a foreign language. Whatever. <laughs> Ridiculous. Next one. All right, so the next one is actually for you, because I don't know much about this. Good Guy Dave asks, Former member of the Seattle Supersonics reacted to the Elias segment on this week's Raw. Renee Young tweeted that she wanted to make a wrestling match out of it, and uh, one of the players agreed. So then, based on this, what Survivor Series-style match would you book between WWE and the uh, Seattle Supersonics? Well, I'm just going to book Seattle Supersonics. I'm going to just book a, a Survivor Series. So, Detlef Schrempf, I guess, was watching the show, and Renee Young made a comment like, that's not going to make Detlef Schrempf happy, the Elias segment that we referred to earlier in the show. Then he had a little back and forth with Brent Berry. So... Automatically, those two guys are going to be on the Survivor Series team because they clearly already want to fight Elias. So, so Elias can put together his team, but those two would definitely be on it. Um, and then you got to go with uh, the glove, Gary Payton, because he's crafty and he's going to talk a lot of junk. Sean Kemp, because he's a massive human being. So he, uh, they, they'd have a hard time beating him. And then my final choice was Xavier McDaniel. That dude is just a... A bad dude, uh, menacing, and so I think he'd make the perfect Survivor Series team for the now defunct Seattle Supersonics. So now that you explain with reasonings, <laughs> I mean your reasoning is sound, but as you said about my Harry Potter answer, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. It might as well be a foreign language to me. So there you go. Uh, but at least we both got to answer something this week. Yes. Special. So on to our next question at Metal underscore two thousand six. Who do you feel is worthy of taking the NWA Women's Championship? off of Jazz. And uh, he's referring to Jazz actually has the NWA Women's Championship and she's going to be defending it. They had a great highlight of her on NWA's YouTube channel as part of, you know, the series that is on there. I love how they made her seem relevant and made her seem like a really viable threat. And man, she's scary because she's actually a prison guard in real life. So if you guys don't know what she's up to lately, Check out NWA's YouTube channel because I loved the feature on her. And I'm actually excited about the match. So, yeah, on paper you might be like, 
Jazz in an NWA match? What? <laughs> but, you know, I think watching the video will kind of make you a little intrigued and looking forward to it because it sure did for me. Um, who really didn't know much going into it, but yeah, that video adds a lot of great backstory. But uh, I think who could actually be a great champion in N NWA? Um, hmm. Well, I just think it, I'll, I'll just say it depends on if they're going to have the same kind of freedom to bounce around and maybe go to Ring of Honor and then, you know, maybe she takes on Madison Rain or, or Tennille Dashwood or Sumi or whatever or goes to Impact. It, yeah. It'll depend on the freedom they get, but you had a. Uh, I've got a, two ideas. A yeah. couple of really good ideas. Tessa Blanchard, because she's, I think, the best women's wrestler on the non-WWE circuit right now. She's such a force to be reckoned with, and everyone loves her, and rightfully so. Then my other choice would be Jordan Grace. because She, she can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with other guys, so she's so tough, I think she could take on Jazz, because Jazz is super tough. So two strong, really awesome women against each other, I would love to see that match, and I think Jordan Grace would be an amazing champion. Um, I just don't know her status right now, because I know she hurt her ankle, and I know she's rehabbing, but I'm not sure if she's still doing matches right now. I haven't kept up with her Twitter recently, but uh, I really like her a lot. All right. Uh, next one is from... At Zeus Smite Thee, I mm. like that handle. Who do you think is going to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, Marty Squirrel or Kushida, and why? I don't know. I think I would like to see Kushida get it because it'd be kind of cool if um, Squirrel went like into a downward spiral or something and it was like, first I lost in my heavyweight match and now I lost in the junior heavyweight match. And uh, maybe that'd be kind of a cool storyline that could last for a couple of months or whatever. But um, I could see Skrull winning it on the other hand as well, though, because mm -hmm. he's done so well recently and had some great matches. This would be a great reward. And we haven't seen Skrull with the championship in quite a while. Um, but I think Kushida needs it more in overall, because when Kushida has a title, he's a lot more over, whereas Skrull is over regardless of having a title or not. Well, I, I think there are two schools of thought, too. Uh, if New Japan is worried about not having any Japanese champions, they might might lean in that direction. Yeah, right? Kushida's a great champion, so that would be a fine choice. Right. He's amazing, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Or if they determine uh, Marty Skrull's been putting in the good work lately and uh, deserves a little reward, maybe it'll be him. But uh, I think I would lean towards Kushida. Yeah, I think that's where I'm leaning towards too, um, but I kind of played the fence there. It's kind of <laughs> hard. Next one from... Uh, PCH Nilbog, uh, you're in the purge and you get a bodyguard. Who and why? This one was super fun. And actually, we were watching the TV show The Purge, which I'm really digging right now. And I love the movies, so I was super excited to answer this. The answer for me is pretty darn easy. Brian Cage, because he's a machine, he's big, he's strong. I think he could take on anybody. And I'd feel really safe with him, considering he's probably like a billion times my size. And he kind of looks like a Purge character. <laughs> he kind of does. Like, you know... Very uh, over the top, you know? Like he could be a hero in The Purge. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a good one. I don't know why this guy came to mind, but he maybe because he looks like a Purge character too. Uh, I'm going to go with Lance Archer, actually. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> Would he spit water on people? Yeah. <laughs> distract, to, help, to help. Distract them by spitting water on them and then, then shoot them or do whatever. <laughs> Although he's not spitting water lately, no. which is such a bummer. Yeah, huge disappointment. God, he was so good at that. All right, we've got one more question. So our good friends at Take the Bump Podcast on Twitter, at Take the Bump Pod, 
man, they came up with a good question kind of also in the Halloween horror movie theme. They said, okay, you're doing good versus evil, five on five Survivor Series match. You know, who are going to be your, like, true heels, the, like, the most villainous people versus baby faces? So, like, you know, kind of like horror versus good, baby faces versus true heels. And uh, for me, I would say Skrull, Callahan, Iron Sheik, Chump, Champa, I always say that wrong. And then, of course, Murder Grandpa Suzuki. And then my baby faces, man, I had a hard time with this one. Zane, Bailey, uh, Johnny Gargano, before he started kind of going into the gray area, uh, Candice LeRae, and lastly, ooh, this is hard. Mm, oh, I got it. AJ Styles. There you go. That's good. Well, I, I'm going to go a little different direction. For my bad guys, I'm going all guys that could be Halloween, like, murderous characters. Yeah. So, my five are Kane, Evil. Yes. Marty Skrull, The Boogeyman, and Gangrel. Oh, yeah. So <gasps> That would be an amazing, amazing cast of a horror movie. Yeah, so those are Lots my horror mo movie five. And then, yeah, you could, you could go... Uh, who's who's just some really good guy seeming? Uh, the Cena, I guess. Never. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go with the B team. Uh, Bailey's a good one. How about uh, Zack Ryder? Oh yeah, yeah. And who would be my fifth one? Who's just a really nice guy who probably is gonna get killed. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, how about a guy who's just obsessed with himself, Tyler Breeze? That'll work. <laughs> he would get killed in a horror. And movie. he would get killed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He'd be busy taking a selfie as he gets uh, yeah. taken out. But They're like, don't go in there. He's like, I need to take a selfie in this room. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I I can see this would have been actually a wrestling match where Boogeyman takes on Tyler Breeze, and Tyler Breeze ends up eating a bunch of worms at the end. That would be really funny. <laughs> Well, good questions once again, and uh, again, another great pop and wrestling uh, segment coming up next week. Make sure you interact with us at Two Faced Pod. But before we uh, wrap things up, it is time to close out the show and send them home. Yep. Kelsey, what do you got? Well... Uh, I got two things real quick. If you watch the latest episode of 10 Pounds of Gold on NWA's YouTube channel, there's some great interview bites from Cody Rhodes. Like usual, he's like some... His interviews are some of the best, most organic-feeling interviews ever. And I love how it talks about fear and um, not having it. And he also referenced his match against Juice. It was all about the New Japan show. And actually, David Lagana edited in my... The answer to my question at the press conference. So the Cody addressing Aldis... That was my question. So that was pretty cool. Uh, really like that. And also you can see the top of my head for a minute. So please watch it. Not just because of my question and his answer, but because it's a really, really great video. And I love Cody's interview skills. It's just so good. It's like, I don't know how he does it. Everything's just so organic and flowing. And it's He's one of the best, honestly. And then secondly, I want to tease next week's Pop and Wrestling Connection. I'm going to reveal it here. It's going to be, of course, another Halloween-themed Pop and Wrestling Connection. And it's going to be uh, kind of thematic to the movie Monster Squad. In that movie, 
there's these group of little kids who take on some classic movie monsters. I want us to recast the Monster Squad with wrestlers. So who would be your group of, you know, good guy kids, and who would be your classic movie villains? Now, we're talk not talking about slashers. We're talking about, like, you know, the mummy, like a wolfman, Dracula. Basically, recast that movie. Something a little bit more light than this week, because this week it was like more of like intense horror characters. This one's more of like a light kids version of a Halloween movie. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. What do you What do you got? I'm going to talk about the uh, Super Showdown, and you kind of heard me ask Raphael this. I'm not sure I like this trend that WWE is going towards with these overseas shows that are kind of replacing pay per views, but don't have the significance of the pay per views. Yes, they're putting some big matches on these shows, but for the most part, you know, the the show earlier in Saudi Arabia, there's another show coming up next month in Saudi Arabia, the show in Australia. I've got no problem bringing these shows worldwide, and i got no problem with them being on the WWE Network. I'm just not sure they should be in place of pay-per-views. I, I, it just, to me... Yes, there are three or four good matches on this show, but it feels like an even longer version of one of their regular TV shows. So I'm not sure I like it. I, I get WWE's getting a lot of money for this stuff, but they also are at the same time battling, as I saw recently, some of their lowest ratings on Raw. And having shows that a lot of people aren't going to watch as your pay-per-view sort of shows... I don't think is a good move by WWE, and I think it's it's making viewers you know less and less interested in WWE, and the Raw ratings are reflecting it. Now SmackDown's doing all right, but I think it's because of it's a more concise show. But I think TV shows are supposed to go towards the pay per view, and yes, they've done some setting up for the show, but I just don't I don't sense. Are you excited about Super Showdown? Are you excited about Crown Jewel? I don't think people are. I think people, first of all, in the United States like to have the pay-per-views here, but you can't always do that. But I'm not sure that these trends and these big shows are the way to go. Interesting points there, and uh, I will just comment that sometimes TV ratings, especially when it comes to WWE, even though it's the lowest it's been in a long time, isn't really representative that they're doing bad, because they're not. TV ratings are falling across the board, and wrestling's sure. still doing better than those. So I will say, yes, it's struggling, but their stock has never been yeah. higher. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they're not worried about the ratings per se because their stock is as high as, I think I saw it was $69. A, a, so It so, might be even higher yeah. right now. Yeah. So uh, there was a good article about that as well, about uh, the ratings versus the money. But, uh, yeah, I... I I think the other part of it when I'm saying this, too, about the Super Showdown, it doesn't help that this big show is going to be at 4 in the morning. Now, I get it because you want it to be at a good time for the people at the show, but mm -hmm. but you're alienating a lot of the U.S. audience, too. So I, it's, it's a balancing act, but I, I don't think we need three of these types of shows a year. Maybe one, maybe two at the most, but certainly not three. I mean, I don't mind them, but uh, I think it should be way more spread out. I mean, it feels like we just had that Saudi Arabia <laughs> show. Now we're doing this Australia show, and then we're going to have another show in Saudi Arabia? That's crazy. That's a lot in a short amount of time. So I, I definitely see your point. Great closing out the show there. And 
Before we say goodbye, let's quickly mention, to keep going with our Halloween theme, our interview guest this week who does odds for us, Rafael Esparza, wants to remind everybody to place your bets. And again, you could use the promo code KICKIT, K-I-C-K-I-T, and that way you're benefiting our show at the same time. Uh, but you could place bet on the uh, Halloween remake opening weekend Rotten Tomatoes score. So he's got over 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, minus 105, and Halloween, the remake, being under 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, minus 135. So you can put some action on mybookie.ag if you want to bet on Halloween, the movie. Yep, I think that's kind of fun, and I want to kind of bet on it. (laughs) I think it's going to be above 85%. I'm optimistic, although horror movies traditionally do very poorly in the ratings. Yes, they do. So that was a great Halloween spooktacular episode, (laughs) but also, of course, mostly about wrestling. Thank you guys for participating, and I loved your answers so much. We had a great time just reading them and so creative. God, that's the best. Thanks again, and uh, if you're listening to us... Check us out on YouTube because we'll have a lot of pictures this week. And uh, hope you have a great rest of the day. That's the finish.